G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. The story. She came down, I could see his little body was quite blue and cold, and I thought maybe he'd just stop breathing. So I immediately began to do mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. Uh, my wife was calling the ambulance, and then eventually the ambulance, I kept on doing this until the ambulance came, and then they came and took him, and I, I was just in, in pyjamas, so I said, you go, and so she left. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, sadly, every few minutes a child dies somewhere in the world and usually that means someone's heart will break and their mind will rage with unanswerable questions. Unfortunately, Jeff Poole and his wife have gone through such an experience and were so devastated that it contributed to the breakup of their marriage. However, I'm happy to say that they are now back together and a long way down the road to healing. Jeff has written about their experiences in his book, Kissing You Goodbye, A Father's Journey Through Grief. And today, he's sharing his story with Eric Scatterbo. Jeff Poole, welcome to the program. Thanks, Eric. It's great to be here with you. Glad to have you with us. And I should say that you're joining us from across the ditch over in New Zealand. Is that right? That's right. I'm just across the ocean and uh, the sun's shining here. And uh, it's great to be connected. Specifically, you're in New Plymouth. Is that right? That's right. So we're on the west coast of the North Island in a lovely little town called New Plymouth under the, the foothill of uh, under the Mount Taranaki, a big, beautiful, conical, snow-capped mountain. Oh, beautiful. Now, you haven't always been in New Zealand. Is that right? That's right. So we came here about six years ago. Uh, we moved here from outback Queensland, of all places. But prior to that, we were in Sydney. Okay, now let's find out a little bit about your background before we get to the content of your book as well. We had uh, lived in in Sydney for quite some time. I met my wife, Alyssa, at Bible College. And, you know, we we met and it was um, a God thing. And we got married uh, uh, after she finished and graduated. I was a year ahead of her. Mm-hmm. And from there, we w- ended up in ministry, and we were involved in the worship in a thriving church. And we had uh, two lovely children, Thaddeus, mm-hmm. our boy, and our daughter, Lael. So you've gone to Bible school, so obviously theological issues was a part of that? Yes, so we had studied in at Bible college and studied theology. It was a, a college where we studied multiple streams, so we were also involved in the in music and, and worship stream as well. So I guess what I'm trying to get at is you were pretty mature in your faith at this point. Yeah, so I had, uh, I had grown up in a Christian family, uh, but came to find my own faith in my early teens, mm-hmm. and was, uh, it was there that I then decided that I really wanted to go to Bible college to, to learn more and grow in my faith. Mm-hmm. And it was an incredible time. It was a, a time of amazing teaching and revelation and, and growth. So your spiritual growth, your Christian experience, was largely a positive one up to that point? Yeah, yeah, definitely. 
and when you're young and enthusiastic and yeah, everything is <laughs> it was how it should have been mm-hmm. at that time. And then you're married and happily married and things are kind of humming along? Yeah, and so we had been uh, offered a position in a church. We had had a couple of positions and we'd taken another position as I was the uh, worship pastor. And then there was a change of leadership and so we ended up without a job. Hmm. And uh, that was quite a struggle for me. Mm -hmm. I had not really... Uh, intentionally sit in, out into ministry, uh, but I really am passionate about people and helping people, and so it kind of naturally came about. And then when when I, when I didn't have a job, I had uh, two young kids and was trying to find, uh, you know, a new income stream. Mm-hmm. And then what happened? Uh, and then we had a, a third child come along, so uh, Xander uh, and... So we had three children under four at the, at the time. Oh wow! So it was quite a yeah, quite a stretch. I remember we had a little tiny car, and we really needed to get a bigger car. So we finally <laughs> upgraded to a big eight seater to fit them all in. Uh, but then uh, the unthinkable thing happened. Mm. Uh, I had uh, decided that I was going to go and do some study full time and. I finished my job that I had been doing on the Friday and uh, we'd had a, a wonderful day. We On the Saturday, we'd gone to visit some friends and uh, they'd got to meet our new little boy, Xander. He was only six months old, mm-hmm. uh, plus our other two children who are two and four. And just a wonderful day. The sun shone and uh, Xander was such a happy, contented boy. Mm-hmm. And it was just such a wonderful, incredible day. But then the next day was a Sunday morning and I it's one of those mornings that are eternally etched into your mind mm. and you cannot uh, erase it in any way and I'd woken up early and I'd come downstairs and uh, Thaddeus and Lael had woken up and come down but Xander hadn't woken and normally he was awake by around about six thirty, seven o'clock and it was a bit after 7 o'clock so my wife went up to get him and I heard the sound and I, I didn't recognize it at first. It was just so foreign to me. And it was this incredible, deep scream from Melissa. And she came running down the stairs. And she was holding Xander kind of out from her body um, you know, with two hands. And, and she was screaming, he's dead, he's dead. Wow. And as she came down, I could see his little body was quite blue and cold. And I thought, well, maybe he just stopped breathing. And I... So I immediately began, I, I took him and put him on the floor and began to do mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. Mm-hmm. And I can remember the little the rattle of his lungs as the air fell out of it and uh, my wife was calling the ambulance and then eventually the ambulance, I kept on doing this until the ambulance came and then they came and took him and I, I was just in pyjamas so I said, you go and so she left. And... I'd been to a pastors and leaders meeting a few months before and had this heard this incredible testimony of a young boy who had been found dead in the pool and he'd been prayed for and miraculously recovered mm-hmm. and there was no brain damage and there were no problems at all and I, so I thought God you can do this and and I 
remember I had Sadius and Lael under one under each arm, and I just prayed with everything that was in me, mm. with all my soul. Yeah. And I, I prayed in, in the language of the Holy Spirit, and I cried out to God. I said, you can bring him back and without any problem. And then after about 20 minutes, I phoned my wife on her mobile at the hospital, and the nurse answered. And as soon as the nurse answered, I knew that he was gone. Mm. And it was like all that, it was like a balloon just completely deflated, and I deflated with it. And how did your wife respond? So uh, at that point, I quickly jumped in the car. I remember I drove like a madman up to the hospital, which mm-hmm. was about uh, 10 minutes away. And there was stuff flying around in the back of the car. I didn't care. And I think I even ran through a red light and screamed in the car park. And, mm-hmm. and I ran in and she was just sitting there sobbing. And he was just sitting there. Uh, so Alyssa was holding him in her arms and Hmm. yeah just completely it's just um, the thing is uh, with something like that you have no preparation yeah and all of a sudden in in a just a quick second the whole world is flipped upside down yeah I mean it's such a difficult thing to go through now obviously years have passed what actually happened do you know so it was found afterwards that it was just a cot death so sudden infant death syndrome oh okay yeah so and and they still don't really understand mm-hmm. why it happens yeah uh, so there's no rhyme or reason and and that in some ways is hard to take because you've got no explanation You're listening to The Story. Today, Eric Scadabo is chatting with Jeff Poole, who has written a book about the death of his and his wife's child called Kissing You Goodbye, A Father's Journey Through Grief. Next, we'll hear more of their story and how this devastating loss contributed to the breakup of their marriage before they were finally reunited. That and more when we return. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. We're continuing with Eric Scadabo chatting with author Jeff Poole. His book is called Kissing You Goodbye, A Father's Journey Through Grief. He's joining us today from New Plymouth on the west coast of New Zealand. Before the break, we heard how tragically he and his wife went through the experience of their baby dying at six months old from sudden infant death syndrome. Now we'll find out what happened next in their lives. At the time, I I remember just getting down on my knees in front of my wife and taking her hands and we prayed. And I said, God, you've, you've taken our son from us and... But no matter what, we will worship you, and we will not uh, we will not stop worshiping you. And so there, in the hospital, in that little room, just it was just like everything just kind of closed in on us. And uh, Alyssa was just holding his dead little body, mm. and yeah, and then you're still in a state of shock. You really, it's quite surreal. 
Yeah, I, it just devastates you. Your mind must have been numb at that point. But unfortunately, as we heard in the introduction, this happens like every few minutes a child dies somewhere in the world. So this is uh, unfortunately a very common thing that people go through, parents go through from time to time. But it doesn't make it any easier. No, it doesn't. Uh, and there are, you know, there are various reasons that children die or that anyone dies around the world. It can, it can be malnutrition or all sorts of other mm-hmm. things. But, um, yeah, no, it just, there's nothing that, that prepares you for it. And they say it's one of the hardest things to, one of the hardest griefs to deal with. Yeah. Because there's no, it's so senseless and there's such a sense of waste. And yeah. A whole lifetime ahead of your your child that's been taken, and we also heard in the introduction that uh, when a child dies, the parent's heart will break and their mind will rage with unanswerable questions. Can you unpack that a bit for us? Yeah, sure. So, coming out of the hospital, I remember Lisa could barely walk and she barely put one foot in front of the other, and I had to really help her out. Mm. to actually get out of the hospital. And as we walked out of the hospital, there was such this horrible sense of finality. And we were walking away from the hospital, leaving our son there. I remember I held him for a little bit before we left, and then mm. I, I put him down because I'd never held a dead body before. I didn't know, and I didn't want to... A part of me was, was afraid of that. And and I put him down, and I remember as I walked down, I wanted to race back in and hold him again yeah. to say goodbye, and I hold him for one last time. But that moment was gone, and we walked out. And I was trying to, uh, I was trying to be strong for my wife, and so I was trying to help her because she really was quite completely incapacitated. Mm. And we had to we had to head home, and we weren't able to go back into the house. The police had to come and do checks, and then eventually they did. And we came back into the home, and everything's there. You know, his clothes, his bed, yeah. his nappies, everything that was part of your life with him, and it's all there. And, and you're looking at it, and and your whole daily routine, you know, has turned upside down. You're looking after a, a baby, and then all of a sudden you're not. Yeah. And so there's this huge, mm. huge void that's just in your life, and mm-hmm. and you, and to grief is a journey, and, and for everyone it's a different journey, and it takes different times and mm-hmm. different measures. But there's a this part of the journey where you start to ask questions, and what if I'd done that? Why why did this happen? Why did it happen happen to me? Was it something that I did? Was it some was it something that that we did? You know. Mm-hmm. And you, your mind does begin to rage. And there are no questions, no answers to some of these questions. Yeah, I mean, you won't know until eternity when you're no, reunited and, and everything. Yeah. And I remember, Alyssa, going through a whole series of questions, like, had I, had I dressed him in something different? Or he'd roll over onto his stomach and had that, you know, if... if something else had happened if if we'd actually checked him earlier would it have been a different story but you can't do that yourself to yourself yeah. but yeah but we do oh it's only natural you're constantly wondering yeah and as time went by how did this impact your relationship and your life in general so people deal with grief in different ways and 
and my wife began her grief journey. For me, I had enrolled to start studying, and so we had a funeral on the Friday, and on the Monday, I fronted up to start my study, and I studied full-time, and in a way, I didn't wait, really... Wait, wait, the Monday right after? Uh, after his funeral, yeah. So he was he died on the... We found him on the Sunday morning. We had his funeral on the Friday. We had to wait till kind of the end of the week to get some things lined up to mm. have his funeral. And then the mon- following Monday, I started studying. So I really kind of was distracting myself, you know. That's a difficult thing to know. Do you just go on with life or do you pause? And I mean, that's kind of a hard thing to know, huh? It is. And for some people, they need to be doing something and other people, they need to go through a journey which may require time and space and, mm-hmm. and quietness. Yeah. It is very much probably a man thing to try and be busy mm. and to actually avoid the process of grief. And in some ways, that was what I did. I avoided some of it. Mm. And then, so other problems then resulted and came out in my life later. Now, your relationship, as we heard in the introduction, this whole experience contributed to the two of you breaking up eventually? It's something like 78% of of marriages fail that lose a child. Is that right? So the statistics aren't good. Hmm. And... It's because, you know, it's, oh, I, I, I'm lost for words, to be honest, but sometimes there's blame, sometimes there's uh, misunderstanding, there's people taking their own their own journey. One might be shut down and the other one might want to talk about it and mm. the other one doesn't. And Definitely puts a stress on your relationship. It does, yeah. Now, were you kind of alluding to this stress of this whole experience kind of exposed some other things in your life? Yeah, there were lots of brokenness in, in my life that had then come to the fore and further down the track, uh, we um, it really was kind of key, instrumental in ending our marriage at the time. So uh, about uh, a couple of years later, we were blessed in that we had another child and so we had another baby girl, Sienna, mm-hmm. and she was just such a joy and bundle of delight. But I remember every morning I would wake up and and lie there in bed thinking, "Is she gonna? Am I gonna get up oh, and wow. go and check her and find that she's dead?" Yeah. And I quite clearly remember one morning, and she was would have been around about a year old. It finally lifted from me. And so there was a whole year of every morning just living with that hanging out of my head. Oh, wow. Uh, is, is she going to be gone? Is she going to be gone like Xander? Yeah. And then eventually the two of you split up. That's right. I hadn't really taken that genetic grief well, and that exposed a whole lot of brokenness mm-hmm. in my life. Mm-hmm. And as a direct result of that, uh, our marriage ended. And then how did you eventually get back together? It was funny. We were sitting in a car wash. And in a car uh, wash, had, yeah, we were sitting in a car wash, and you know you can't run away when you're in a car wash. You can't get out. Of the <laughs> yeah, car. that's true. Yeah, unless you want to get all wet. <laughs> exactly. And uh, Alyssa had said that she wanted to go back to New Zealand and to her hometown of New Plymouth. And I had previously said, "No, there's no way that you're taking the kids." Uh, 
but I finally realized that she needed to heal and she wasn't able to do that where she was and her environment needed to change. And when I came to that realization and came to really let go and die to myself and I said to her, okay, you can take the kids and you can go. I, I understand that that's what you need and that's your, you know, for you to heal. And it was at that point that she saw that there was some hope for us to reconcile. Hmm. And then, is that what happened? So, yes. Yeah, so she uh, ended up going back and we made the decision to start to to reconcile. And I um, followed a few months later and we began a journey which, you know, is was quite a, a journey in itself to begin to rebuild our marriage. Um, and being two years apart was was quite a long time mm-hmm. um, and you know the kids as well and there were a whole kind of <laughs> of things that happened as a result of that in our kids lives but um, praise God that you know, we've made it this far and we'll make it the rest of the way and we have seen his hand and he is continually faithful and how long have you been back together six years oh wow well, so it's so you're quite a way down the the road to uh, healing your your relationship. That's right. Yeah. Now I was just wondering. Um, now, so you had a good Christian upbringing, and you were going to Bible school, but this really rocked your world when you correct me if I'm wrong, but you really experienced tragedy and grief for the first time. Is that right? I had never expected that something like this would happen to me. I had always felt that God was would bless us and I suppose protected us from it mm-hmm. so when that happened it really it didn't take my faith in God I knew that God was there but the thing that I struggled with and it, it took me years to come to get through it was that God was good and that God was for me and that was a journey a, a big journey for me to really understand that despite bad things happening despite the tragedy of losing our son God was still good God still loved me and God was for me. Would you say that this helped you kind of get a deeper, more mature faith in the Lord? Definitely. I think faith has got to be tried and tested. Mm, yes. And it's easy to say that, to say these things, that, that God is this and God is that, when you only know it in your head knowledge. Yeah, it, yeah. To get to your heart is, is a journey. And this really helps you get it to your heart when you're going through deep, painful grief. That's right, Eric. It carves, carves a track from your head down to your heart. That's, yeah. that's painful, but it, it does connect. Unfortunately, we're running out of time, but in our remaining moments, can you share with our listeners, what have you learned from this whole journey, this journey through this deep, dark valley? I learned that God will walk with us through every journey, mm-hmm. that the journey is not always easy, but it's about the journey, mm-hmm. that people and are so important, family are so important, and mm-hmm. to surround yourself with people and uh, to make sure that you, you reach out to people and, and walk through this journey of grief because it's different for everyone. Part of the motivation for me to write the little book that I wrote Mm. was because there was not a lot of support for men in particular 
in going through a journey of grief. Well, Jeff Poole, thank you so much for sharing your journey with us today. I mean, you were through a lot of valleys and dark experiences, but I'm so happy to hear that you and your wife are back together and your faith is stronger than ever. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. Thank you, Eric. It's been a real privilege to have a chat with you. That was Eric Scadabo chatting with Jeff Poole, who joined us today from New Plymouth in New Zealand. As we heard, Jeff has written a book about the death of his and his wife's child called Kissing You Goodbye, A Father's Journey Through Grief. You can find it by doing a Google search for that title. Once again, that's Kissing You Goodbye, A Father's Journey Through Grief by Jeff Poole. I think Jeff shared an important life lesson for us all in that sometimes it takes deep valley of life experiences to really grow and mature in our faith and for us to know that we can really rely on God through the darkest storms. Well, how about you? Have you gone through a similar tragic experience and would like someone to pray with? Our prayer line is 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. And we would love to pray for you on that number, 1-800-772-936. Well, thanks for joining us for Jeff's story. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today.